Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local Dumbarton Road, opposite the police station. Go up the hill and you will come first of all to Thornwood Primary School. Well, our building is next door at the crossroads. And we extend a warm welcome to you to come along any Lord's Day. That's Sunday, the first day of the week. Any Lord's Day at 11 a.m. or again in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we extend a warm welcome to you all. We also have a, a midweek meeting on Wednesday evening beginning at 7.30. And again, we would extend a warm and sincere welcome to every one of you that you might come along and hear something more about uh, the Christian gospel. For that is what we are, friends. We are a, a Christian congregation. Um, we're situated in Partick, in the west end of Glasgow. And we're very glad that you're able to join with us on this Friday afternoon, the 3rd of November, for our weekly open-air outreach and this week we're coming from Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre and we are indeed delighted that the weather is favourable towards us this is November and well you can get all kinds of weather in November but we are very glad that we have dry weather and it's pleasant and it's good for what we seek to do this afternoon there are people out here who are handing out tracts, small gospel tracts with our details on it and a relevant Christian message from the scriptures for you. It may well be that you cannot read it right now, but we urge you to take one of these tracts and put it in your pocket or your bag. And when you have time, please read it. It's interesting that before I began to speak, I was here handing out some gospel tracts and uh, a large proportion of people wouldn't accept a tract. Now there might be many reasons for that, but do we not like to say to ourselves or do we not like to ascribe to ourselves that we are, we are open-minded we will consider other people's views and opinions. Yet, it does seem that when we seek to bring you something from God's Word, which has eternal relevance to every one of us, the vast majority of the people simply will not accept anything. And really, the truth is, if you would examine yourself, you'll probably find that maybe you're not open to things as you thought you were. You're maybe not that fair-minded. And maybe you have simply made up your mind 
beforehand. Well, friends, we would urge you to consider what we seek to say in these gospel tracts and also to give some heed to what we seek to bring to your attention this afternoon. Because we do believe ultimately that what we are drawing to your attention has come from God himself. The Bible makes wonderful claims about itself. And for instance, I'm going to read one claim that it makes. And if you have a Bible, you'll find this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 following. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. Now that, or these two verses, are saying a number of things. What we want to notice this afternoon it is saying that God's Word is given by inspiration of God. Now what does that mean? Well, it quite simply means that God literally breathed out the words that we have recorded for us in Scripture. Scripture has literally come from the mouth of God. Yes, we know that there were human authors and uh, as far as the Bible is concerned, there would be at least 40 human authors. But all of them were inspired by God. They were inspired to such an extent that the very words they wrote were inspired by God. Ver verbal, plenary, inspiration. That's what's contained in the Bible. And therefore, surely, if this is true, and of course it is, then it behoves us that we might truly pay attention to the message that we find in the Bible. This is not a message to cast aside. This is not a message for us to judge upon. This has come from God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Therefore, friends, it demands our attention. If God is speaking to us, then we are to listen to Him. After all, is God not the Creator? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is the Creator. There would be no heaven, no earth, no sun, no moon, no stars. No, God is not a man or a woman, sir. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal in His being. Wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. God is a spirit. And this almighty all pure, all glorious person is the one who created heaven and the earth. 
the work of creation is God's making all things of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. That was God's verdict upon his creation. And when he came to the end of creation, he declared that it was very good. It was absolutely perfect. And that included mankind. Because on the sixth day, God created Adam. And the Bible teaches us, God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. There we have the Bible's account of the creation of mankind. God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. And therefore, when God looked upon his creation, he was able to declare it was all very good. And this book here, the Bible, tells us about God, about this world that he has created, how we are to live in this world, what is required of us. We might look upon the Bible as our instruction book. It tells us things that we would never know unless they had been revealed for us. And they have been revealed for a purpose. In order that we might live lives which glorify God. I do believe it's true to say that many people in the world at this point in the history of mankind are beginning to ask and wonder what is the purpose in life? Why are we here? What is the purpose of life? Now, if you are one who believes in evolution, I can understand why you would ask that question. Because what, is, what does evolution teach us, basically? It teaches us that everything came from nothing and that we're going to nothing. And therefore, to ask the question then, what is the purpose of life, is a relevant question. But, of course, we do not accept evolution. In fact, evolution can be proved to be unscientific fiction. It is absolutely unscientific, for nothing can come from nothing. But the evolutionists tell us that everything came from nothing. Now that is totally unscientific, and uh, we are giving some credibility to the theory of evolution by calling it a theory. It is really a fable. It is really a fable devised in order that mankind would not be confronted with this truth that God indeed is and that God is the creator and therefore 
if God is the creator of all things, including mankind, then we are accountable unto God. And this is something that the atheist and the evolutionist does not want to come to terms with. That one day he or she will stand before God and give an account of their lives. Well, we're here this afternoon, friends, to present another view to you. And what is that other view? Well, the other view is a Christian worldview. And basically, as Christians, we believe that God is the Creator. The Creator of heaven and the earth. The Creator of mankind. And therefore, we believe there is a purpose in life. And as our shorter catechism would teach us, with teachings from the Bible, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. There we have, in a sentence, the purpose of life. Man's chief end, man's purpose, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's why we're here. That's why you're here upon the earth, here in the year 2023. You have a purpose. Every one of us has a purpose. Now, many people think that our purpose in life is to enjoy life. It is to get on in life. It is to make money. It is to indulge our, ourselves in the things of this passing time. Meant to many people, that's what it is. But friends, the Bible, it paints a different picture altogether. It tells us man's chief end, man's top priority. This is the purpose of our existence. It is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now, that is our purpose. But none of us can realize that purpose. Why so? Why can we not? We cannot realize that purpose in of ourselves because we have a major problem with God. And we might say, God has a major problem with us. Now, what am I talking about? Well, did I not say at the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and when He created our first parents that they were created perfect in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness? In some real way, they resembled their Creator. They were like Him in some sense. What happened? What changed? Well, sin came into this world. That's what happened. And all our problems, every single problem that blights mankind today and ever since that point in time can be traced to this three-letter word, sin. What happened? Well, Adam was given a very clear command. God had prepared a wonderful garden for him, the garden of paradise. And there God put man. He put Adam and Eve in there. 
and they were told to look after the garden. That was their duty. And they were given a clear and simple command. You can eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden apart from one. You are not to eat from the fruit or of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree you must not eat the fruit of. Now there was nothing special about that tree. But this was simply a test. Would Adam and Eve obey God? Or would they not? Because they had the power, they had the ability to obey, and they also had the ability not to obey. And the evil one came, or the evil one came, and he tempted Eve. And as you know, Eve succumbed to the temptation, she took of the fruit, she ate it, and then she gave it to her husband. And he ate of it also. Now you might say, well, that's no big deal. Well, I'll tell you, it is a big deal. It's a big deal in the sight of God. Because here was mankind, whom he had created in his image, and who he had lavishly provided for. They sided with his enemy. It was nothing but high treason. Nothing but high treason. And they turned their backs upon the living God. And they listened to a liar. They listened to a deceiver. They listened to a murderer. That's what happened. And ever since that time, sin entered into mankind's experience. Our first parents then had a sinful nature. Before that, it was pure and it was upright. But since the rebellion, it became a sinful nature. And because we've all come from Adam and Eve, we have inherited their sinful nature. Therefore, friends, even when we are conce conceived in the womb, we are conceived in iniquity. And that is not a reference to the biological act. It just simply means that we inherit our sinful nature from our parents, who in like inherited their sinful nature from their parents, and you can trace it right back to Adam and Eve. And therefore, we cannot live up to our potential. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Well, we cannot do that because, because of our sinful nature. And because of that sinful nature, we have sinful thoughts, we utter sinful words and we perform sinful actions. And you can see that every day. You can see it and know it in your own experience. You can see it and know it in your family's experience. You can see it and know it in our community's experience and in the experience of the nations of the world. There is where all our problems are to be found. What are the problems that blight the world today? We have a war in the Middle East. We have a war in the Ukraine. We have lots of bloodshed in Nigeria and many other trouble spots of this world. There's much fighting, there's much rebellion. It uh, has always been, you're quite right since the beginning of time. But you know friends, one day there'll be a change. One day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth 
wherein dwelleth righteousness. It's not always going to be like this because God is going to do something about it. And indeed, He has done something about it. And we will see the fulfillment of it one day because there shall be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And the day is coming, friends, when God shall make this world renew, renewed. It shall be refurbished. The present world shall be destroyed by fire like the old world was destroyed by, by water. This present world is reserved and kept in store until that great day when there shall be a tremendous fire and this world shall be transformed. And out of that there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So God will ultimately deal with man's greatest problem. And in some sense he has done that in and through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are Christians, friends. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. He is the second person in the Trinity. And in the fullness of time, he came forth from heaven. He left the realms of glory. He came down to this world. He took upon himself our nature. He became just like us. Why did the Son of God so humble himself and undertake this? Why did he come? Why did he leave heaven? Why did he leave glory? Why did he leave a place where he was worshipped and where he was adored and where everything was perfect to come down to this barren? sin-cursed world. Why? He came down to rescue mankind. That's why he came down on a mercy mission and that mercy mission had the full support and authority of heaven. This is one of the things that makes Christianity absolutely unique. Our founder, our head is the Son of God the one who came down from heaven in order to save sinners. Isn't that marvelous? Friends, what religion are you following today? I don't know. But I can tell you this. If you're not following Christianity and you're following another religion, well, you're following a religion that wants to work its way to heaven. Whereas Christianity is God coming down from heaven to save mankind. There is a world of difference. You know, many people will tell us that all religions are the same and they'll all end up heading towards God or heading towards heaven. And they'll say, well, ultimately, we'll all be saved. It doesn't matter what religion you follow. Well, that is absolute, utter nonsense. Absolute, utter nonsense. Christianity, friends, it is Christ, the Son of God, who has come down from heaven to rescue mankind. Every other religion, it's man trying to work his way up to heaven. It's man trying to climb the ladder to get up to heaven. This is what Islam's all about. 
working their way to heaven. Friends, how can we get to heaven? Jesus tells us. He says in John chapter 14, verse 6, again, read this in your Bibles. Take, take your Bibles out. Read the Word of God. What does it say in John chapter 14, verse 6? I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Here, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, this is what he's saying. He says, no one will get to heaven unless they come to him. He has been absolutely dogmatic because, friends, this is the most serious matter that we can possibly consider. Where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend eternity? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. If Jesus Christ is our Lord and if he is our Savior, then we will be with him. Did he not say to his disciples in that same chapter that I quoted earlier, John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. Well, friends, Jesus Christ is the one who will take us to heaven. How can he possibly take us to heaven? Because, as I was saying earlier, we have a problem, do we not? We're sinners in the sight of God. And God has a problem with our sins. And we know the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21, nothing impure shall enter in. Nothing impure shall enter into heaven. And in the sight of God, we are impure. How then can we get in? Well, Jesus Christ has done something glorious and wonderful. He has lived a perfect life. None of us has ever lived a perfect life. He's the only one. He is the only one. He lived a perfect life. And at the end of that perfect life, he was therefore qualified to offer up a once-for-all perfect sacrifice. And this sacrifice was ordained of God that it might satisfy his justice. Why? Well, sin must be punished. It must be punished. You know, today in our courts, a judge may overlook something. He may pardon someone who's done something. That can happen. But as far as God is concerned, sin must be dealt with. Sin is an offense to him. Sin is any want of or conformity unto the law of God. And he cannot just wink at it. He cannot just sweep it under the carpet. He must deal with it. And that's what he did. Christ, the Son of God, having lived a perfect life, then was qualified to offer up a perfect sacrifice to make atonement for our sins. Here, friends, here is the very heart and the very essence 
of the gospel that we seek to proclaim to you this afternoon. Jesus Christ has died in the room and in the place of sinners. He has paid the price. He is mankind's substitute. God was punishing him instead of people. And what's required of us then? What's required of us is that we might believe upon Jesus Christ. How can I possibly believe upon him? What must I do to believe? You must recognize you're a sinner. You must recognize that he is the Son of God and that he is heaven's answer to man's great problem. You must recognize that he is the one who went to the cross and died in the room and in the place of sinners. You must accept the gospel terms. What are they, you might say? Many people don't know what the gospel terms are today. Well, the gospel terms are quite clear. You are to repent and to believe the gospel. Repent and believe upon Jesus Christ. This is what is required of you. Believe in Him, the one who has suffered and died in the room and place of sinners. We're here this afternoon from Partick, Free Church of Scotland continuing. We had a, a local congregation with a Scottish registered charity, and we tend to come out on a Friday afternoon bring to your attention something concerning the Christian gospel. Pleasure to be here this afternoon. The Lord has given us this lovely weather that's suitable for what we seek to do. And we do pray that you might listen and that you might take a gospel tract and it is offered to you you might be able to put it in your pocket and when you get home consider these things consider what the Bible teaches us <clears throat> woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong wine there's an exhortation for anyone who is uh, inclined to take too much, be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 20 and 21. is not wise. Proverbs N, chapter 20 and 21. And instead of being filled with wine, friends, we are to be filled with the Spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians, chapter 5. Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled with the Holy Spirit. That's what's required of us. And the only way that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit 
is to have the Holy Spirit upon us and for the Lord Jesus Christ to pour out His Spirit upon us. We're going to take a short break, but it's good to be here. And may the Lord be pleased to bless His Word to you uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon again. We're glad to be here with you. We're from Patrick Free Church of Scotland continuing our local congregation. We minister in the party building at Chew Thornwood Terrace and we meet every Lord's Day that Sunday at 11 a.m. and again in the early evening at 6 p.m. We would extend and would give you a warm welcome. It may be that you're not used to going to a Christian place of worship or maybe because of the COVID pandem pandemic you've got out of the habit well, can we encourage you to get back into the habit? If you're one who don't have a Bible and you would like a scripture, then please speak to one of the men and we'll seek to give you one. For we liked, would like you to have a copy of the scriptures that you might read the Word of God for yourselves. Now we come out this afternoon, friends, to tell you something about a glorious person because that's what Christianity is all about it's about a person and that person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ the eternally begotten Son of God the one who came from heaven God's Son who came down from heaven on a, a mercy mission can you comprehend it? Can you grasp it? That the Son of God who was in heaven all eternity He has no beginning He is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting This one came down to heaven to, to earth took upon Himself our nature became just like us and lived in this terrible sinful world and indeed it would be a terrible time for him because he was all pure and holy and therefore he would have heard many things he would have seen many things he would have witnessed many things that were contrary to the law of God and therefore it was not an easy time for him to come down to this world especially when you consider the contrast between this world and the glory of heaven but he came down he came down because he came on a mission what was that mission well this is what makes Christianity unique our founder is the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost now there's something maybe we don't like to hear but in order that we might appreciate Christ, in order that we might have an understanding about Him, we must grasp what says about us. And the Son of Man is the one who came down to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the Bible's verdict on every single human being from Adam onwards 
We are lost. What does that mean? We're lost in the sight of God. We are estranged and separated from Him. We don't have the relationship that we should have with Him because of sin. Sin is a great barrier. We need to grasp and understand that God is a holy God. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. That's how the Bible describes God. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. And we are sinners. We are sinners. Sinners in the sight of God. The Bible tells us things that don't flatter us, but they tell us the truth. And Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. In other words, we have not reached the mark we haven't reached the standard that God requires. We've all sinned. Everyone. There are no exceptions. And therefore this is a terrible predicament. And what's more, it is a predicament that we cannot address ourselves. We don't have the remedy. We would say that all other religions are man's attempt to get right with God. That can be said of all other religions, without exception. They are man's attempts to get right with God. Whereas Christianity, it is God who takes the initiative. It is God in His Son down from heaven in order to save mankind. Now this is unique. You need to think about this because there are people today that will tell us that, well, all religions are exactly the same and ultimately, although they might differ in certain things, ultimately they will all take you to the same goal or the same end. That's not the case at all. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. No one will get to heaven. No one will be found in glory. No one will have their sins forgiven. No one will be reconciled to God unless it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, friends, it is no wonder that we that we accept that Christianity is unique because our Savior is unique. He is the one and the only one who has come down from heaven. All the other religious leaders or founders of religion, all of them, without exception, 
have never come down from heaven. They are men or women who have founded something and they'll try to tell us that through what they teach and through what they do, they shall come to heaven. Am I supposed to be impressed with that? You need more than a cross to get to heaven. You need the Savior. And the Savior who was on the cross. And the Savior who was in the tomb. Who came out of the tomb. And the Savior who is now alive. And who has risen. And who is exalted. And now stands. Or who now sits at God's right hand in heaven. And this Savior, friends, that we proclaim to you this afternoon, this Savior is an all-willing Savior. He will save those who will come to Him. But you must come in His terms. In His terms. Well, He says, repent and believe the Gospel. What does repent mean? Repent means turn away from your sins. That's what it means. Turn your back upon your sins. It means turn and live your life in a different direction. At the moment, friends, as natural men and women, we tend to live our lives the way that we see best. And we take the path that we see best. We follow our own ways. But when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you are to walk in His footsteps. And that is included when we say, repent, turn away from your sins, turn away from your lying, turn away from your cheating, turn away from your blasphemy, turn away from your stealing, turn away from your Sabbath breaking, turn away from your fornication, or from your adultery or other sexual sins, turn away from stealing, turn away from these things, turn away and you are to walk in the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. What it means is you're to turn your backs upon your old lifestyle. And part of that old lifestyle was that you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Peter said to them who heard his sermon on the day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit came upon the church and the disciples began to speak in other tongues and those who had gathered from foreign lands heard them declaring the wonderful works of God in their own language. And then Peter used that opportunity to preach the gospel to them. And he tells them that they had crucified the Christ they had crucified the King of Glory, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Life. They had committed this crime by handing him over to the Romans. And Pilate and his soldiers crucified Christ. And when they heard this, what are we told? They were pricked in their hearts and they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be ye baptized. That's what he says to them to those who had previously rejected the Lord Jesus, even to those who 
a few days before had said, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! His blood be upon us and upon our children, they said. But now when Peter confronted them with the fact that Christ had been crucified, but now that He was risen again, and that He was alive forevermore, and that it was Him who has sent the Holy Spirit upon the infant church, they said, what must we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the gift is for you and for your children. And for as many as the Lord our God shall call. Their principal sin was that they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the principal sin of the 21st century. There are multitudes today in Buchanan Street, in Glasgow City Centre, who are walking in the footsteps of those who crucified Christ. They rejected Him. And how many on Buchanan Street this afternoon are doing exactly the same? They are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. They are saying, said over 2,000 years ago, we will not have this man to reign over us. Now, madam, it's not rubbish. As you know, it's not rubbish. The problem is, you just don't like to hear the truth. It's not rubbish. No, it's not, my dear. One day you'll know it's not rubbish. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, by gospel, and uh, we're not blind. We can see the reaction to people who the gospel. We can see it in the We can see it in people's faces. We can see it in the start. See scriptures. What are they doing? They are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. They are rejecting His message of salvation. Well, we cannot read hearts, judge no one. But, friends, the Bible says, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to to my gospel, there the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 2, verse 16. That's what he says. Look it up in the Bible yourself. Don't take my word for it. Turn to your scriptures. You'll find this there. And Paul goes on again. Verse 12. What does it say? So then... Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every man, woman, child shall give account. It's going to be an awesome day, a terrible day for some, a day of vindication for others. It's a day when God shall judge the secrets 
of man by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Are you ready for that day, friend? Are you ready for your, the secrets of your heart to be exposed? Are you ready for books to be opened? Are you ready to be examined? Who would love to be examined by Almighty God that knows even our very thoughts before we think them? Our words before we utter them? Our actions before we perform them? We can hide nothing from Him. We can hide from our spouses. We can hide from our partners. We can hide from our ministers. We can hide from the police. But you cannot hide from God. The day is coming when you'll give an account. Isaiah in the Old Testament, what does he say? In Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 23. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow every tongue shall swear without any reference to God, to Christ to the Bible you can live successfully for a time without any concern. But one day you will meet God. You will meet His Son. He will be on a great white throne. There the Son of God will be the judge. He will not be here on that day. How will so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Well, surely, friends, when that day will come, you'll need a Savior. Well, you must have the Savior now. Because on that day, you'll not be able to call upon the Savior. The day of grace will be over. The opportunity to be saved will be over. The opportunity to have your sins forgiven and to be reconciled to God will be over. You see, friends, today is the day of salvation. Today is the time to get right with God. Today is the time to seek His face and His blessing. As Paul says again in 2 Corinthians, this time, chapter 6, verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the day of salvation. This is extended to you in the gospel. In with Christ. This is the time of the Savior. This is the time to turn. This is the time to lay hold for Christ. 
Behold, now is the accepted time. This is God's time. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. There, friends, is the gospel. Our sins, which are great and which are many, they can be forgiven, but they can only be forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. No one your sins. No after how many times might forgive sins? No bishop, no cardinal. Only Jesus Christ. He has the power to forgive sins. He has that authority. Why? Because he is the one who has suffered and died in the room and in the place of sinners. And therefore, friends, be assured, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And that's why we to draw the attention that you might be found on that great and terrible day when all the human race shall be before and will you give that on that day well friends my only hope is that I have a saviour that's my only hope my only hope is and die in my room and in my place and because God is just he has punished him in my place therefore he cannot punish me God is a God of justice and he's prepared to accept someone else who's, who's paid the price of our sins in our place. He is our substitute. That is our hope. That's why we come out that you too might have this hope. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. So where do you stand this afternoon then? What is your relationship with Christ? Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Are you looking to Him? Or are you hoping that somehow God will be merciful to you outside of Christ? Well, friends, if that is your case, if that is your situation, then we must honestly tell you, you have no hope. God is only merciful in His Son. He has provided a way, a perfect way, a way that God Himself has devised and it has met, met with His approval. Do you think then He's going to take another way? Do you think He's going to accept your way after He Himself has provided the perfect way? And when you consider all that his son undertook in order to purchase the salvation of his people, would it not be highly offensive if we were to present our own way when he has provided the perfect way? 
Come therefore, come. Come and call upon the name of the Lord. For the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be, but shall be. If we're truly to call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. We shall be saved because our sins are forgiven. And we will be reconciled to God. And we will be adopted into the family of the living God. We're going to take a short break, but we do hope and trust that the Lord will bless to you this afternoon the preaching of His Word. Good afternoon again. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation. We minister in the Partick area of Glasgow. Our building is at 2 Thornwood Terrace. Go up Dumbarton Road, opposite the police station. Go up the hill there. You'll first of all come to Thornwood Primary School and you'll find our building located next door at the crossroads. We meet every Lord's Day, that Sunday, at 11 a.m. And we also meet in the early evening at 6 p.m. You are warmly welcome to these services. They're open to the public. We also meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30. And indeed, we would extend a warm welcome to you then also. If you need a copy of the Scriptures, please speak to myself or someone else. There are people here handing out gospel tracts, and we will endeavor to give you a copy of the Scriptures for yourself. All we ask is that you read it. As I said, we're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing and it's good to be here we tend to come out on a Friday afternoon and this week we're having our open-air outreach from Buchanan Street in the center of Glasgow now what is Christianity all about well for the few moments we're here we'd like to tell you about Christianity because we're not afraid or ashamed of our Savior. And Christianity is basically all about a person. It's about the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternally begotten Son of God, who in time came down from heaven in order to seek and to save that which was lost. And in order to save people, the Lord Jesus Christ had to go and suffer and die. Went to the cross and Calvary. There the innocent suffered in the room of guilty. He was without sin. He could not sin. He knew no sin. Yet he was condemned as a sinner. Indeed the sins of the were laid upon him 
because it was all part of God's master plan in order to save mankind. Mankind had Mankind couldn't make atonement for that sin. And therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ, as our great substitute, He took upon Himself the punishment that was rightly due to sinful men and women. He stood in our room and in our place, and the wrath of God was poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And after a period of time, put in a borrowed tomb. He was there on a Friday night and all day Saturday. But on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, Sunday, He arose. He came out of the grave. And he is alive forevermore. And for a period of 40 days, he gave overwhelming proof that he was alive. He was seen on many occasions by many different people. On one occasion, he was seen by over 500 people at once. This was no illusion. This was a reality. Jesus Christ is alive and is alive forevermore. And therefore, when we proclaim the Savior to you, we are not proclaiming someone who is dead. We're not proclaiming or following someone who is in a tomb or in the grave smoldering. No. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive and you are to put your trust and your hope for salvation in someone who is alive forevermore and who is able to save to the uttermost. Too many people think that Jesus is maybe still in a crib or in a cross or in a tomb. Well, these things were historically accurate in their time, but now he's in heaven and he awaits that day when he shall return. Yes, friends, do you realize that the day will come when this world as we know it shall end. Yes, it shall end. The world is not eternal. God alone is eternal. And he has determined a day when Christ shall return. He will come like a thief in the night. And that would tell us that when he arrives the second time, Multitudes will be ill-prepared. For who prepares for the thief in the night? He comes unexpectedly. And so it will be when the Lord Jesus Christ, He will come like a thief in the night. And He will come quickly like the lightning as it flashes from east to west. 
It will be sudden. It will be visible. He will come. Behold, it says, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. That's the day when this world and human history as we know it shall be wound up. And on that day there shall be the great resurrection. All who have died will rise again. Christ's people shall be gathered to himself. The others shall be gathered for judgment and to hear their eternal sentence from the mouth of the judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. How will you fear that day then? Well, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, I know I'm a sinner. And maybe you're saying, well, God will not accept me. I've done some terrible things, you might be saying. And you might be saying to yourself, well, it's too much. I, I'm too far gone. I'm too far in the world. I'm up to my neck in sin. Maybe that's what you're thinking to yourself. And maybe you're thinking the Christian gospel has no hope for you. Well, I want to tell you, friends, that there is hope. Wonderful, glorious, divine hope. Because God is a God who pardons. He will receive the penitent. Let me read one verse to you from Micah. The Old Testament prophet Micah. Chapter 7, verse 18. And again, I would encourage you to read this in your Bibles at home. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Did you hear that this afternoon on Buchanan Street? Did you hear that? God is a God who delights in mercy. Surely this is what characterizes the Christian gospel. God saw mankind perishing. What did he do? Did he wipe his hands off mankind? No. What did he do? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Do you see there, friends, what happened? God saw our predicament and he did something about it. What did he do? He sent his son. He commissioned his son to come to this world and to perform and to work out a salvation whereby we might be saved. That's what he did. That's what he did. God took the initiative. God saw us lost. 
and perishing and without hope. He did something about it. It's not mankind. It's not mankind. God took the initiative. He took the first step and he sent his son, his only begotten son. Would you send your son or any of your children to die? To suffer a most cruel death? Experience the pains of hell on behalf of others? Would you do that? That's what God did. He sent his son. Does that not reveal unto us the love of God? Does that not reveal that God is a God of mercy? And a God of grace. Does that not tell us something about the great God of heaven? One who informed us and saw our plight and did something positive about it. And that's why Micah is able to tell us in his word. He delighteth in mercy. He loves to show mercy. But he can only show mercy in Christ. Why? Because sin has, sin has been dealt with in Jesus Christ. God did not go soft on sin. He did not sweep it under the carpet. He did not <laughs> wink at it. It's offensive to him, but he did something about it. Something wonderful, glorious, something divine. He punished his son instead. Suffered. That's why he died in the room and in the place of sinners. And therefore, God is able now to be merciful to sinners who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's due to be saved. What must we do? We must believe upon him. Chapter 17. It's a wonderful story. You should read it sometimes, friends. Acts chapter 17. There the Apostle Paul and Silas are in prison. Why are they in prison? Are they criminals? Are they robbers? Are they thieves? No. What was their crime? Their crime was they preached the gospel and they were put in prison because of it. And at midnight, they were singing psalms. the prisoner was opened and the prison guard thought to himself well the doors are all opened the prisoners have escaped I'm going to lose my life because of this and he was about to kill himself and the apostle says do thyself no harm we're all here and the jailer the Philippian jailer came in and he said to Paul and Silas sirs what must I do to be saved? And surely it's a question you must be asking yourself this afternoon. What must I do to be saved? What did they say to him? They said, Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what was required. No doubt the Apostle Paul said other things to him. But that was the sum and the substance of what Paul said to him. You are to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. It's the same message we have today.
today to you here on Buchanan Street today, whether you're male or female, young or old, whether you're a come from a foreign country, it matters not. We're all exactly the same, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the same gospel and the same Savior. And who is that Savior? That Savior is Jesus Christ the Lord. That's the one you must look to, who is a God like unto thee, and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He delights in mercy. You know, God will judge. But judgment is a strange work to God. It's a work that we might say in human terms, He does not like to do. But He will do it. He doesn't like to do it. Instead, He delights in mercy. And I put it to you, He has demonstrated that when He sent His Son to die in the room and in the place of sinners. What must you do then? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. You are to seek the Lord. How can you seek him? You must cry out to him. You might be saying to me today, well, I don't believe that God exists. Well, many people say that. Seek Him. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you. Ask Him. Call out to Him. Ask Him to reveal yourself to yourself. This is one of the problems. We really don't know ourselves. We think that we're acceptable. We think that we're righteous. Or we don't think we're perfect. But we think we're good enough for heaven and God will show mercy to us. We really don't know ourselves. That's the problem. Ask God to reveal yourself to yourself. The Bible says, Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know them? You don't know your own heart. You don't know your own sinful nature. We don't really know it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows it. And God has done something about it. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. There's the doctrine of repentance. Turn away from ourselves. This is what we must do. This is what's required of us. Turn away from our lying. Turn away from our cheating. Turn away from our pornography. Turn away from our homosexuality. Turn away from our fornication. Turn away from adultery. Turn away from our blasphemy. Turn away from covetousness. Turn away from committing murder. Turn away 
Turn away from these sins. Put them behind us. We are to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to take up His cross and follow Him. That's what's required of us. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Why? To be saved. That's why. Jesus Christ, yes. He did. Thank God for that, yes. This time, Jesus is to be in jail because he's going to die nothing in trouble. Jesus is our Saviour. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. There, friends, there again, is the incentive. There again is the encouragement. He will have mercy upon him. God will be merciful to the penitent. He will never turn away anyone who genuinely comes to him. He will accept him. He will receive him. For he will abundantly pardon Well, we're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing and we're going to end our time today. It's been good to be with you and we do hope and trust and pray that the Lord will follow with His blessing upon the preaching of the Word and we do ask that if you have received a Gospel tract that you would be one who would read it it has our details and information on it. And we put these things there that you might know that we are a genuine Christian congregation and we are not fly-by-night cowboys. May the Lord bless His Word to you.